It's that time of the year. Your vacation is coming up. You can already hear the beach waves, feel the warm breeze, relax, and think about work. You really, really want it all to work out while you're away. Monday.com gives you and the team that peace of mind. When all work is on one platform and everyone's in sync, things just flow. Wherever you are, tap the banner to go to Monday.com. Burroughs Furniture is built for the way you live. From ensuring easy assembly and disassembly to honoring highly requested new colors for their award-winning seating, they always have their customers in mind. Their modular seating is made out of durable materials to last and grow with you. And with Burrow, you always get fast, free shipping. Get up to 60% off during Burrow's Memorial Day sale at burrow.com slash ACAST. That's burrow.com slash ACAST. Burrow.com slash ACAST. Hey, it's Ryan Reynolds, and I'm here with Keith, co-star of my upcoming film, If, only in theaters May 17th. Do you want to tell people the big news? All right, I'll do it. Sign up now and you'll get unlimited for $15 a month in six months of Paramount Plus Essential Plan on us. Mintmobile.com slash switch. Upfront payment of $45 equivalent to $15 per month. Unlimited over 40 gigabytes per month. Face lower speeds. Videos at 480p. Active Mint customers by 531.24 get six months of Paramount Plus Essential Plan. Auto renews after six months. Offer ends May 31st, 2024. Separate Paramount Plus registration required. Terms and conditions apply if rated PG. Welcome to a special edition of the Nile or Nine podcast where we're going to be looking at the issue of Irish nightlife and the issues facing it at the moment in terms of Irish clubs, promoters, goers, DJs and the people behind the scenes. We're going to be talking to some people involved in Irish nightlife and those who are vocal about bringing in changes to protect, sustain and support late nightlife in Irish cities and towns around the country. There has been increased support and discussion around the value of the nightlife economy in recent years, buoyed by changes in cities like Amsterdam, London, Manchester and Paris, where nightmares have been installed to liaise between venue operators, promoters and those in councils and politicians who have no direct experience of such matters and who rarely engage with the city after dark. A nightmare can be a glue between these two worlds. It's a concept that has been opened up and discussed much more frequently in the context of the value of nightlife. Earlier this year, the Give Us the Night campaign reignited to put this issue back into the minds of government, city councillors and our representatives. A newly published mandate from Give Us the Night, accompanied by meetings around major Irish cities like Galway, Limerick, Cork and Dublin, has made some suggestions for what could be done to improve uh, nightlife licensing opportunities and the economy at large. The key points in the mandate include establishing a nighttime advisory board and a night mayor or nighttime economy advisor, whatever you want to call it, to represent the issues of the nighttime economy. The abolition of special exemption orders, SEOs. For every night that a club opens until 2.30am, they must pay €410 in court plus solicitor's fees before the doors even open. That's each night. This places financial restrictions on each late night venue and applies to every space, big or small. As an example, a late night venue in Ireland that would choose to open six days a week late would pay approximately £128,000 per year plus legal fees for each monthly court application on SEOs 
This is in addition to rates, rent, insurance, running costs, wages, etc. Uh, meanwhile, by contrast, a venue in the UK will pay about £2,000 per year in late licence fees with more hours of trading each night possible. Another thing that the Give Us the Night campaign is looking at is to the closing times of venues and late night spaces to stop the one-time-fits-all approach where every place shuts up at 2.30am at the same time, causing people to spill out in the streets en masse, which contributes to transport bottlenecks and anti-social behaviour. Members of the Gardaí and organisations like My Taxi have been favourable in this regard and support this measure. In addition, Give Us a Night are proposing that some allowances for later licences past 3am were appropriate and with consultation with politicians and governments and licensing bodies and uh, residents could be looked at as a way forward like in other European cities. At the backbone of Give Us the Night is the idea that the nightlife economy is important to us and the well-being of the Irish people. To disallow our citizens to party late into the night if they so desire is a 20th century idea and we need 21st century solutions. Before we talk to the respected techno DJ and Give Us the Night uh, campaigner Sunil Sharp, the first person I talked to about this was Aoife Nakana, a long-spinning Irish DJ who has seen venues come and go and have been playing for years. Aoife tells me about her experiences and ideas around Irish nightlife. Um, I think the fact that we do close so early does restrict us a lot. Um, so I don't think every place wants to or needs to be open, but it would be nice to have a few places that would open a bit later, even even if one venue stayed open till four, or maybe two or three venues stayed open till four, and then maybe one stayed open till six or seven or eight, I think would really suit um, our nightlife, you know, just to make it stronger, I suppose. Um, because it is, it, it, it is like a bit of a joke or an issue for the last, I don't know, all our lives really. And that kind of nightlife culture has grown up, but the licensing laws haven't comparison to other countries. I think that's the thing because we're now seeing all that stuff happen uh, internationally as well. You're really feeling like, um, it's so within our grasp in terms of people who go who go dancing and go to clubs and can and even late night venues as well. We'll see that happening elsewhere, and then you come home here and you don't get the same buzz. So, um, has have you found like the way that we our licensing laws operate uh, affect the creativity? Do you think you do notice if you do go abroad, there's kind of a peak. You know, maybe two, two, three, four. And then it does kind of wind down in these clubs. They do take it down. Whereas we're just leaving in the in the middle of the peak when we're not ready to leave. You know, like I think people, it would be nice if we could just organically leave, which a lot of us are kind of a bit, um, uh, we're a bit industrialized to, to leave at half two or three anyway. And we will probably. But then you'll also have a few diehards that would like to stay out. Or, you know, I always find for me, it's if I have visitors, it'd be nice to, you know, yeah. keep them. I know myself, if I'm visiting a place, I'm inclined to stay out late in case I might miss something or because it's something different, you know? Uh, yeah. So I guess like one of the things I was thinking about recently in terms of uh, these kind of ideas is that like, you know, like you said, you kind of alluded to there is that the music can change if the hours are opening later maybe it's it's deeper house music or or it can go in different ways because we have that like we have to cram everything into 
three or four hours, really. Three hours max, <laughs> really, you know. 12 to 3 is kind of like when you run a club, you're like, everyone doesn't come in till you'd be lucky if people come in at half 11. Because of our drinking culture, I, I've been guilty of this myself, you know. I don't drink anymore, but when I did drink, I did have that like, oh my God, like the bar's going to shut in a few in a few minutes, yeah. let's get like let's get around in, and let's get two drinks. Yeah, and I think a lot of Irish people can be guilty of that. And I'd love to see if we if that if we weren't so restricted with alcohol, would it become more European where we don't have that that hunger to yeah. to keep drinking or to want to drink? That you know, it's okay. We have a glass of wine at five o'clock in the morning. I'd like to see. If that would work for us, which yeah. I think it would. Well, all of all of our licensing laws are tied to alcohol, really, as yeah. well. So that's one of the things that gives a night is looking at in terms of like trying to, if a club doesn't have a, an alcohol license until past three o'clock, then you know it can still stay open until four or five if it wants to. If the people are there, you know, um, an option because you know when you tie a good time to alcohol licensing, it's doesn't benefit everybody you know other than the bar yeah so you know how do you and also because the um um it's so expensive for nightclubs as well yeah they kind of want to get their money to pay for their license too i think they're under pressure so they are serving us until the very last minute and that's i think when the carnage happens you know at the same time and when people have to leave the club so where are you playing at the moment regularly enough now um, at the liquor rooms, I've had a long slot in the liquor rooms in Yukio, um, uh, Hang Diam in Opium as well, uh, Berlin, I'm yeah. in Berlin uh, regularly as well. And how do you so, find, have you, how do you find, like, uh, do, has that changed over the years um, in terms of, I mean, demographics or uh, your setup or just generally speaking since you started? Yeah, because I think, like, if we go back to the 90s or even the noughties, um, club or dance music or anything like that was always kind of part of a kind of um, an underground, it was kind of an underground scene against the mainstream, whereas now I think mainstream people are more open-minded to clubs and DJs and, you know, things staying up late. Like, I know live music is important too, but just that kind of culture where it was new in the 90s and it was still misunderstood in the uh, noughties more, you know. So mm. it's like a lot of a lot of young people now, their kids would have gone raving at this stage, you know. So yeah. I think that really helps. You know, they've grown up with dance music where, you know, in the 90s or the late, late 80s, we kind of all discovered discovered dance music together, you yeah. know, or electronica. Mm-hmm. So there's one thing I would like to say, um, but I, I just don't know how to say it, is that I do play in the liquor rooms until four in the morning. But that's a good example because yes, you it's know, a really good it example. Is, it's yeah. downstairs, it's in a basement, so it kind of works really well. Um Except, like it's a really good example of of um having that extra hour what it does you know like and, and it's a long slot I do as well I do from nine until four in the morning obviously sometimes I share that with people but when I start at nine there's normally people eating or getting together for a party and it's kind of you play mellow music and then by 12 between 11 or 12 people start dancing and you kind of bring it up a little bit and then by three they normally let people in at three o'clock and if uh uh, and then if anyone comes after three, they don't let them in. But whoever is left can stay. 
um, and people organically leave anyway. They've had some. You'll get a few people that will stay. So that's what I mean is that the peak is kind of between three yeah. and four, and then it goes back down. And I did a kind of a party in in Limerick. Or there's a very famous private party in Limerick called Backwards, which is another perfect example. You know, um, we're hidden away. We're away from the city. We're not causing any trouble. Um, Keen, who runs it, actually does make a point of finishing it at six. So there is no trouble because he wants to keep it going. But again, like it'll be after the clubs when everything is kind of like crazy and mayhem. And mm. then I just when you go down to backwards, it's just so chilled and lovely. You're listening to house music again. And then they kind of go to funk and soul and reggae and wind it down and it's just perfect and people just go yeah when they have to they go they've had enough and they leave throughout the night and then you get a few people left at six o'clock they're not going i'll play one more song or let's keep it open they're actually ready to go yeah so it's a perfect <laughs> example of how that could really work for us yeah you know i guess that's right if you didn't tell people that the licensing laws were changing and you did it tomorrow like people would just naturally start to go home at yeah the moment, you, at do, the, you do you do have like work. i see that in the liquor rooms i feel like i do three sets because i have the early the middle crowd and then i have the people that will come towards the end of clubs you know just yeah. for that extra so that last bit. hour how does your music change in terms of um, i just go deeper and slower and it's absolutely lovely you know yeah. it really is you do get you really do get the late night ravers yeah. you know the real music people and they really are out for that extra hour of music you yeah. know so yeah it works it works quite well Even the Canis residency in the liquor rooms goes till 4am because it's under a hotel licence. Highlighting the different opening hours that are already happening in Ireland at the moment and those who have those late licences, like places on Harcourt Street in Dublin, this breeds contempt and protective behaviour from venue operators that affect places who are new or trying to establish themselves within this existing legislation. Here's Sunil Sharp with his take on things. And there's licensing and restrictions in place and somebody is trying to do something. Generally, what happens is other publicans or uh, operators in the area are too happy about that. So there's this kind of like, well, you can do this, but you can't do this. And then the idea of somewhere like Camden Street, where, you know, you're right beside Harcourt Street, which has its own um, rules in, in, in lots of ways. And then anyone who tries to do anything uh Legally, say Hangdai Chinese uh, restaurant, for example, they've had a lot of uh, trouble with the guards uh, coming in saying that they were uh, open illegally and late, which they haven't been because they're a disco bar. So they operate off the um, they can use their uh, late bar license as part of their deal. But, you know, it's like the law is the law, but also often the law is just a thing that is isn't even used in that way it's like it's the pressure from other people that's used i think, to, I think it's wasting guard of time as well knocking knocking on hang dye's door or whoever it might be like if you completely deregulated the whole thing you know I, I think that would be very interesting it'd be kind of like every business for themselves if you're if you're offering something that people really want to go to they'll go there they, they shouldn't have to be forced to go there because it's the only option and that's what we're trying to put out there a little bit too listen don't get me wrong i understand anyone that's trying to protect their own their own business like it's 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 understandable but i mean a lot of this has been a lot of the changes in nightlife has been engineered by the by the publicans and, and uh 
again, I'm, I, I, you know, I, I have many friends now who are running pubs, so I, I completely understand. And I, I think one of the, something really bad that's happened in Ireland in, in, in the last couple of decades is how the local Irish pub has, has basically been, been, been rubbed out of existence, you know. But certainly when it comes to, to cities or main urban centres and your only choice is going to a pub or late bar, I, I, I don't think that's good enough, you know. And that's, that's where we're at now in, in, in Dublin City anyway and, and in other parts of Ireland as well, you know. The nightlife has, uh, is in a kind of depleted state at the moment. In terms of then, obviously, we've lost a few venues here recently, like Hangar and District 8, um, big venues for uh, dance music in particular, um, and with nothing currently replacing it other than the idea that, well, the jam park coming in April, which is mm-hmm. going to happen in Swords, which is outside the city. Yeah, yeah. So in terms of, first of all, the landscape of venues in the city is is dwindling. Um, but what do you think about the idea of, like, do you think there is spaces that you could potentially put a venue in, uh, in the city, existing spaces first. And then secondly, is there spaces to build a custom club space in in the city? And then thirdly, what do you think of the idea of bringing those kind of late night venues to a place outside of the city where there's less residential yeah. issues? Like I think of existing spaces, I think like some promoters in town, like uh, like District Eight, for instance, they could probably tell you more of more or have identified more spaces than than I can tell you. But um, certainly, the the council will be sitting on a, an awful lot, you know, quite quite a lot of spaces. Like one one idea, even in the short term, is that they even give over some of these spaces, even if it's just for a year or two, to just say, listen, we have this earmarks for something else, but. You can you can have it for the next year. S- similar to the, I know it's a much bigger building, but the the Telegraph building up 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 north. You know, as far as I know, Shine were told that they had that for a year, and they, maybe that might be rolled out for a little bit longer now. Listen, there was an upsurge. I think about about 2014, 2015, uh, after District Eight started, you had Hangar as well, and it did seem like there was a little bit of a dip in numbers at one point because like House and Techno were ex- exceptionally popular, but it, it always happens in 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 Dublin or anywhere that 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 particular uh uh, group of of people that are going to the events just kind of move on a little bit and there's a little bit of a dip but I think at that time District 8 probably identified that and started going with some of their booking anyway a little bit more I don't want to say commercial but a little bit more um uh, slightly more mainstream dance than, than they than, than what their roots are are, are in. So, uh, but they were filling the place, and I don't think. And in the last couple of years, I think most events that they were putting in there had to have sellouts. Um, sell out potential or, or they weren't doing us. But like the last night, there was like seventeen hundred people in there, and I think whatever about the little dip after maybe that might have happened in twenty sixteen or. 2017 or whatever um the i think there's actually been an upsurge for for big room events and it's partly down to district day because like when you look at internationally in holland or france or some of these big 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 events that you typically see on instagram and the the dj with you know thousands and and thousands of people in front of them some people choose to 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 travel to those countries but if they can have that kind of experience at home similar to to what tripod was red box you know it's not as big as some of the spaces that you see in 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 uh in holland or whatever but like tripod was 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 definitely you know our our temple theater these 
these places where there's always been call for a big big room um, uh, experiences like that but we didn't have anything like that for a while so when District 8 did start off it brought something back to the city again and people wanted to go from small spaces back into big spaces again but then I think people forgot about the small spaces and the small spaces can disappear very quickly without anybody noticing and I don't want to say without caring but overall a little bit you know and I think that's that's where the problem then lies for upcoming musicians upcoming DJs people that are trying to get something off the ground people that aren't uh, headliners and can fill District 8 or Hanger, yeah. you know, and that's where the problem, it, you know, that that's a big problem for our music scene in general. And that's know? something that could be, uh, if you did extend the licensing hours, you'd also give, uh, you'd have more time for programming and lineups and for new artists. Yeah. Uh, you'd also could possibly change the style of music played because everybody has, there's a, such a, it's just like three hours really is the yeah. peak time or, or even less sometimes. Yeah, even less, yeah. And then so musically, we the music made here sometimes is adapted to those kind of spaces. Yeah. If it's a dance uh, music venue, um, the producers are often making stuff just for that uh, In the, with that in mind the where they don't have a chance. Sort of yeah, yeah, yeah. So yeah. there's no chance to kind of develop and maybe experiment a bit, little bit more. And, uh, and one thing that always uh, seems to happen, I think, in terms of like, this applies to popular music and any music that's commercial in any way or dance music or electronic music or indie or whatever it is, it's generally underfunded in Ireland. Yeah. And we seem to somehow, regardless of that, um, do quite well. Yeah. And that sometimes can yeah, be our, used. our limitations yeah. are, are, are sometimes But that's sometimes used itself. against us in terms of like, well, you we didn't we didn't give you much funding and you obviously don't need it because things things <laughs> seem to be going grand. So yeah. you know, but like it's like the possibilities, uh, despite all all the uh, restrictions, we are doing well, but that's not good enough. And that yeah. hasn't been good enough for a long, long time. No, it's recognition of the of, of modern music really. I think we've we've um we've leaned on and when I say we, the country in terms of even government departments like the like the Department for Culture, Heritage and the Gale Talks, you know, they 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 mark us, um, Ireland, very much on, on, on tradition. Every, every country does, but I think we've relied, uh, you know, hugely on, 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 on tradition and, you know, old, old, um, old bands and singers um, when really we need, to, we need to fund what's here now and grow what we have here now. Deck Lennon, a.k.a. Crystal Clear, is a Dublin DJ and producer who last year released this huge song you hear behind me, Neutron Dance, and who makes a living touring around Europe and beyond in nightclubs. Deck has a more pessimistic view of Irish nightlife's future. If things went on later, you could not have to bang it out. Yeah, you know, I mean, that's always the problem with like regional areas, you know, like and Dublin in in the grand scheme of things is unfortunately regarded. You know, if you want, yeah. if you had a one of the top British agents in here, or your European agent, sorry, um, Brexit. But if you had them in here, and they they probably say honestly that they disregard Ireland, and not in a, not in a, you know in a way of its country or the people or anything, but just in terms of booking their art, artists, it's it's. It's looked at as regional, you know, it's not looked at as a capital of a city. And they're probably right. I mean, 
there's no reason for them to put it on a pedestal. There's no nightclub. There's no focus point, and it makes it very difficult for artists and DJs to come over here and inverted commas take an audience on a journey. And I grew up in Ireland, so I have a perspective of that. And then I left in my early in my late you know, late teens, early twenties, and I obviously viewed it from an outsider's point of view for the longest time, and I saw that it was getting some traction again things were starting to bubble again um about five years ago it felt like there was a lot of energy in the city towards dance music and that culture was being you know responded with venues and raves and off kilter warehousey things and little things were happening and i remember thinking like the youth now compared to compared to back then but they're really getting something for their money Mm -hmm. like i kind of felt that i felt like places like you know district eight or pygmalion or, or twisted pepper or, and uh, you know even opium rooms and stuff like that like there was great artists playing there week in week out and it kind of just offered 16 to 20 year olds who were weren't necessarily clued in on music or dance music and education every week which was something that i in my day you know i hate to say that but it just wasn't that frequent so I think now with the current climate, Dublin's kind of like, um, for me in terms of the talent in Ireland, it's kind of like we've got like 60 amazing footballers, but no football. Yeah, Like we've got amazing DJs, really open-minded people and pr- pr- promoters and parties and conceptual ideas that guys are wanting to do and wanting to achieve artists across the board. And there's just no, there's, the, the country is giving them nothing to work with. Yeah. Um, and to me, that's like, it's depressing. And, you know, the the news and the papers and, you know, there'll be statistics every year on, oh, you know, the Irish youth are leaving. They're going to Australia. They're going to Berlin and they're going to America. And you're like, well, can you fucking blame them? Like, what are you giving them? What are you offering them? Absolutely nothing. Like, I wouldn't mind. Like, it was one thing to not offer artists anywhere to actually have salvation and work on their craft. Like, it's a, it's, it's one thing. Like, listen, Ireland is the open arms nation, you know, for the want of a better example. But, like, the truth is, is that it's not a conspiracy theory. The truth is that the rich are the number one concern for any government. As long as the rich are happy, the rest is fucking irrelevant. That's the the facts of life. And I could live with the fact that young artists weren't getting spaces like we're in here in a building like we're in now. I understand that. Um, It is what it is. That's the harsh reality of the world we live in now. Not everywhere is is, is, um, diplomatic as, you know, other nations. But if you're not even giving them a nightlife, you're not even giving them a release, like, what do you expect? You know what I mean? Like, of course we're leaving. We're out. We can't even be ourselves. We can't even express ourselves. Like, it's hard enough as it is, like, working five, six days a week for some people. Some people are on the dole. Some people are trying to balance two things at once, hustling to get through the week, and then the weekend comes, and they're just, they've got nothing to yeah. go to look forward to. Ireland is losing it. Like, we're losing it. We're losing something that the world would have always looked at. Like, I'm I'm sorry, but I could be wrong here, and I'm, ha- I'm glad. I'll hold my hands up if I am, but... Do we really want to just be known as get off the plane, just go to Temple Bar, put on a leprechaun hat and down a couple of pints of Guinness with a fiddle in the background? Like, it's yeah. it's farcical, like. Yeah. You know, last year, like, just electronic music alone, like, some of the biggest things to come out were Irish. Yeah. 
None of them lived in Ireland. Yeah. Um, I'm uber patriotic to a fault, like to a fault. But then like you have then Irish publications or or even like government bodies or whoever coming through arts councils. Like, oh, I'm just so glad that the Irish people are lifting the flag in the music industry, the art world. Now, fuck you. Do you know what I mean? You've done fuck all for anybody who's trying to do anything in this country. Yeah. Like, prove me fucking wrong. Like, yeah. honestly, put me put me wrong. There'll be accounts for the last 10 to 15 years ledged and show me where you've actually opened up your checkbook and said, right, there's a group of amazing young people who are in their final year of NCD, much like a football scout. This person's a Simone Rasha. That person is a, is a, is a, a, a macer. That guy's a, a man of tough. Let's hone in on these people because yeah. these guys are going to go on and do stuff. Yeah. It's a fucking joke. Lennon mentions a clip from TV3's The Today Show last year, which you can see on Give Us The Night's Instagram page, where the hosts Dahi O'Shea and Mardinan ask their panellists about the late opening hours issues. One of the responses on the couch really vexed Lennon. I'm 100% for this, like keeping the night. You are because you're a DJ and you want to make more money. No, but I also think that people want to stay out longer. Like uh, some clubs, like in, in Dublin city centre, so most clubs will finish around three. Is that so- not enough for you? Mm-hmm. No, some might go till four or five o'clock. All right, some of the later clubs. Um, where are these, by the way? <laughs> you know exactly <laughs> where they are. We wouldn't be able to keep Waving your gold carts, wanting up to Harcourt Street. I'd be, I'd be afraid Soup Max would be closed now, so I'd have to be leaving early, <laughs> you know. But what's the, what's the story, though, here, Catherine? That people want the nightclubs to stay open later, is that Yeah, it? well, like, when you say people, I'm not sure who. Like, okay. DJs, DJs and nightclub yeah, owners, promoters. which obviously is... She'll sit there and, like, say something like that, right? Clueless but then go home and listen to Calvin Harris. Now, Calvin Harris came from Dumfries, uh, virtually just outside of Glasgow. Do you know what I mean? Like, I'm not saying that I would want to be Calvin Harris or necessarily anyone in Ireland would potentially want to be Calvin Harris, but he is a represent, he represents Scotland as a nation, as a guy who's award-winning, number one producing, million-dollar producer, something for potentially people to aspire to take taste out of the equation here do you know what i mean ireland don't have that yeah do you know what i mean he comes from a a city that respects dance music culture respects venues and respects the understanding that people need a place to go and learn about these things and someone like your one on that tv show will be as blatant to say ah sure you guys just want to make money i think we should have it at 1 p 1 a.m but, oh, I love Calvin Harris's music. How do you think his music was created? Do you think he just sat at home at his, what, 9pm bedtime when he was 20 and made and made music? Yeah. No, it's because he went to Optimo. It's because he discovered Electric Chair and he went to nights around the UK. These things, like, it all feeds in. It's exactly what you're saying about David Kitt. Like, the government, the arts councils, they don't respect, truly, they truly don't respect the amount of talent that come from this country. And it's actually like, you know, when you said there, you're like, you know, guys are going off and they're actually going and doing it. Like, it, that is a testament to our heritage. Not like just fighting against, through it all to get what you want to do done. Like, it's actually, you know, it's more, it's nearly more amazing, actually, when you really think about it. Um, but yeah, I don't know. It's, it's desperate, like. Yeah, and those people, like the uh, the people who say, oh, you know, well, what does it matter if we, you know, if if they are, I don't, I don't think they should be open past one o'clock or two o'clock, or whatever. Like, 
the point is, it's not for those people who think that, no. you know, it's for like everyone else who's who's younger than you, who actually wants to go out, who wants to do something, who isn't just content to, you know, there are always people who are going to be content to go into some shit nightclub or some shit bar, but like, that's not everybody. And their arguments, like, if we took out the scales, again, you know, the Give Us The Night crew could school me on this, because I, again, I apologise to anyone reading or listening, I'm not sure about this because I could be talking about my station, but if you put out the scales, like, the no party or the no side of the fence is like noise in the area, uh, drunken kids in the area, drugs and all of the things that come along with drugs. That's like their general, like, modus operandi. That's their reasoning, right? But not, like, all of the opposing ideas are so much more beneficial than any of that. Like, those things will happen anywhere. Mm. Drunken noise, drunken kids, and drugs are not going away no matter what you do. Yeah, and the and the drugs thing, especially like a drug like Coke, is not something that is exclusive to nightclubs. You're joking, it's, there's more Coke done in yeah. the fucking House of Congress. Exactly. <laughs> but, I, I but mean, like in Parliament, do you in, know what I mean? Like, in, a, in a bar, even. Yeah, like, you know, like, go it's to not... a residence bar on a, good, on a Friday night, you're going to, you know, walk yeah. out a trail on your feet. Like, you know <laughs> what I mean? Like, this, the, uh, that stuff... That's ridiculous in itself. But think about it this way, right? Like, young kids in Ireland are, fi- like, it's kind of, it's recession-esque to some degree. It's very grey for young kids in Ireland. It's a very grey time because mortgages and stuff, the, the four, like, your parents' ideologies of life, of work from the minute you get out of school, get your mortgage, have your kids, like, it's kind of gone. And it's gone for two reasons. One, because, well, everyone's moving on from the Catholic conception of what a, of what the youth should do. And because it's just not financially viable, mortgages are virtually impossible to get now. And when you do, you're choked by the neck for the rest of your life. So going to nightclubs on the weekend, it gives them just, A, a source of relief. Like getting release of that tension, it might seem like some hippie nonsense, but it's absolutely real. Like, it's absolutely real. Weekend blowing off steam. Like, it changes everything. It absolutely changes everything. It makes the rest of the week more bearable and it makes you happy in your lifestyle to live it. Secondly, it gives people that are creative something to aspire to. And which leads me to my final point, all feeds into the fact that we want to be a country that's represented by culture because that's what we were forever and ever. We were, and culture was always strapped to Ireland from Book of Kells to Fiddly Idol to Clannad to, to Thin Lizzy to Phil Linnett to anything. The board you know, mm. spectrum goes on. Robert Bala, like all of these things. It's, it's slowly, like really and truthfully, like not non-existent anymore. Like we're kind of recycling the same old things mm. when we actually have so much, incre- so many incredible artists across the board, fashion designers, textile artists, Christ, visual artists, musicians, folk musicians, singers, songwriters, actors, actors and actresses. Like, and it's just, there's nothing for them. There's nothing for them or no, nowhere here for them to hone their craft. And by the time they're six years in their 20s where they're really up for dissolve, they just become depressed. And then it leads back into the same problem we've talked about for years, which is mental health. Mm, yeah, It's a vicious fucking circle and it's, all could be changed by a government that's like Germany and says, we respect the artists, we respect this community, and we want to really embrace them. Give them a place, give them a sector, give them a zone, give them an area where they can work out of, 
like give them some incentives you know what i mean like Mm. there's still enough buildings in this city that are in the skeletons of the great celtic tiger fall give somebody an opportunity to do something for the people for this you know seriously Here's Daniil Sharp and his ideas about multi-use spaces and the Irish music scene in general. Well, well, one of them would be one of the main ones at the moment is is the need for for multi-use spaces and to define the, the difference between a, a, a late bar and a and a music venue, for instance. And I think that's very important. I think something to highlight or to really. Um, to really stress is that although we're coming from the clubbing community and we, we, we'd like to see longer opening hours and all the rest, you know, if we, if we help to establish some type of specific late night music venue, that will also have a knock on effect to the live music uh, scene as well. So not only DJs, but to, to, to bands, musicians, promoters of all, of all types, you know, and that, that's very important for us. I think now it's, it, this has become a little bit wider than just uh, the DJ community, you know. Certainly, one thing I've noticed recently is, on one hand, there's, there's like bands popping up all the time in Ireland. I think it's a very healthy time for Irish music. It's also been a particularly good time for electronic music as well. There's a lot more DJs who are who are playing outside of the country. And I think now there there needs to be like it, it's kind of it's unfortunate that at a time when Irish music is really growing that we're actually having all the all the venues taken away from us. So I think we need to give some flexibility to to existing venues and we need to get our local councils on board to actually make spaces available as well. Uh, where they could essentially be the the, the landlords, you know, I, I don't see what it, that 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 model exists in in most other European countries, and I think it needs to be stretched out here. Marcus O'Leary is a DJ and producer from Dublin who's been very vocal about the loss of venues like Hangar and District 8. He recently started a new student night on Monday nights in Tramline called Hijinx, which has been getting uh, up to a thousand people in and turning away just as many people on the door. Here are his thoughts on Dublin's and Ireland's nightlife offerings. Well, I, my whole motivation to start Hijinks was that obviously I, before Hijinks, I had the residency in Hangar, which was similar kind of, you know, it was a student based, but mainly the main thing was music driven night. And having played that for two years, all of a sudden when I was going to events in Wigwam or Index or, you know, Tengu or anywhere like that, and I was going to more, maybe more niche DJs. I'd see people who I, I would have seen maybe moving up from the country and having their first taste of a, like a music focused nightclub and how feeding into all these other nights and kind of when hanging close, something struck me with that. If there isn't a place where a thousand kids or a thousand, you know, 18 to 21 year olds can go and experience that end of the club world where it's not just top 40 or not just kind of generic club music where it's actually it's like you know the djs are curated it's selectors you're you're getting good producers in you know i'm bringing in acts from around the country and trying to give as many irish djs a platform to actually play to people like there there isn't that much 
hope in a couple of years if you don't have a generation of people who are kind of inducted into mm. that. And, you know, there's similar nights in uh, in Limerick, the guys in Cabal are doing incredible stuff. I went down and played there, it was crazy. Yeah, absolutely <laughs> mental. Uh, Touch of Techno in Limerick as well. There's uh, Galway, like VSN, uh, which is like um, Champagne and Kedema, and those guys. And like there's really, if you look, there's these grassroots yeah. places in in every single city and that's that's what's feeding the festivals that's what's feeding eventually somewhere like jam park if they're getting you know like if someone like moody man was popping in and you need two thousand people to go see him that is that slightly more kind of niche yeah thing that you, you're not going to get unless you've spent some time going actually do you know what i like this i like this this is different from the nightclub that i grew up with this is different from wes Mm, yeah <laughs> yeah but what, I, what i've kind of learned from it is that there is an appetite things do have a life cycle but now what is happening or seemingly happening is the places are closing without any thought or consideration towards a replacement so maybe suitable spaces are are decreasing maybe there's less places to actually go um, and also you kind of combine that with the lack of 24-hour transport and like if there was a good a well-serviced 24-hour, um, you know, even a Lewis link or down the line, a Metro link, or even at a stretch of bus link that ran reliably from the city center to Stillorgan to like any kind of suburb where there's more space to build. Then you could look at the kind of the, the London or the, the Berlin model where you can have clubs in any corner of the city that people can get to. I is think. that what we have to look at now? I mean, is the city exhausted in terms of uh, its major options for a cer- certainly large scale clubs? Is that what we're saying? I think that um, well, I wouldn't necessarily say that. I mean, you still have it, it's more. I think you need um, promoters and venues who are willing to work together towards this, and specifically if you're talking about kind of late licensing and stepping away directly from the conversation about dance music or techno events or underground events or anything like that. And I mean, you had the Academy on mid lobby street, which holds 1600 people sells out Fridays and Saturdays every week. Um, you've just down the road, you've tram line, which holds about a thousand people. When you, well, when you think about why people come to them, the narrative is like, Oh, come for the pints, come for the crack, come for the sessions. It's like, yeah, the sessions now end at half two or two. Yeah. And, You've closed down everything else. We'll prepare and we'll go and we'll do our best. We'll put them under pressure. About being effective, being aggressive, winning the ball, getting on with the play, we'll put them under pressure. Here's Sunil Sharp. The idea then something I noticed uh, when you did your first meeting last year, um, and there was an RT piece afterwards. Oh, yeah, they all like the conservative. Uh, 
media in general there's a lot of often a, a angle taken that is like we don't actually need this or they get vox pops from people on the street who are like well we don't need yeah they don't need it that particular person doesn't yeah. need it there's a lot of speaking on behalf of other people no speak for yourself you know what i mean that that person uh, whoever gets the vox pop is from fine that's what you believe and that's that might apply to you and maybe even your friends but it doesn't apply to other people i think yeah unless there's this like um this huge big movement and every single person in the country wants later opening hours sure that's not realistic either no so but you know a a a fair a fair whack of people do want it you know so and the other thing that was brought up uh, i think it was the rt thing was about uh, alcohol around there was like Mm. an uh, anti-alcohol lobby basically who was saying oh well we don't need this either you know and what do you say to the people who are saying well you know this is going to cause problems in terms of you know increased alcohol sales and and you know alcoholism or whatever it is like well i think most of alcohol sales have moved like like certainly with off licenses and supermarkets there's more sales there like you could you could argue that the that drinking in a in a music venue it's a more controlled environment even down to like measures and uh it's it's an it's an it, it, people drink in a more uncontrolled way at home and by bu- buying buying alcohol from a supermarket or off license put it this way when 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 uh when te- when theater licenses were at their were being used um and were at their height i think in 2006 um public order fences actually dropped in dublin city you know um and that was at a time when when um when when venues were going till half three, four, half four, you yeah. know. So uh, from speaking to taxi taxi um, drivers at the time as well, it made their job a lot easier. That's another thing, transport. And I think it's something to when we're talking about somewhere like uh, Jam Park as well. If, if if our transport system was a little bit better or a little bit more advanced, it, it would make the idea of going somewhere on the other side of the city. Like we we haven't built an underground, you know. I think the metro is is coming. They're talking about what is it twenty twenty seven or something like that so it's still a long way away but certainly the the only thing preventing us from taking uh nightlife a little bit further out is transport but i know tech we met with the with alan fox who's running uh my taxi now and they're they're very much on board for for you know an extension and uh of opening hours and and, and yeah just just oh they they actually they they can't provide enough uh taxis at 3am it's it's a real problem for them and it was years ago as well it wasn't in, in the mid 2000s as well and it's still a problem um, you did a series of gives the night talks around ireland so what did you learn from that yourself in terms of the differences between the the major cities and how they are operating yeah they're all very different to each other actually we, I, I, I guess we didn't know and we like the, the the meeting in dublin was very different to, to any of the ones outside uh because we really we're from dublin so we have a fairly good overview and we're speaking to people here all the time about us we were still speaking to people outside of dublin also but i mean this was a time for us to to give a little bit of a synopsis of what it, of what was happening in Dublin, but then to really listen and to also ask questions as well. What's it like at night? What's safety like on the streets at night? Uh, what do people really want in terms of opening hours? What kind of businesses actually open in the evening? You know, like uh, like we, we pretty much had councillors at all all of the meetings, uh, and some of them were were standing up and, and giving their own views on it as well. So all very all very positive. But I think the kind of dialogue that's opening and that uh, has opened up in Dublin. It's still going to take another another bit of time for that to happen in some of the other some of the other cities. Also, somewhere like Galway, for instance, is is completely dominated by pubs, and everything's kind of quite. 
everything's quite tightly knit and kind of clumped together in Galway. So there, but the good thing is, is that when the, the when the main operators there, like Electric, they're very much behind us. They were they were the 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 manager of, of the of the venue was there and. Uh, Kira Harrington as well, who's who's the booker there now too. So they're they're very much on board. So I think that's important. One of the things I think could happen outside of uh, Dublin. Well, obviously, if they get a directly elected Lord Mayor, that could help a lot. But I think one thing to sort of float out there and to, for them to try in some of these areas is to is to identify one-off events or like for instance the Capital of Culture, Galway Capital of Culture uh, for Europe next. Uh, next year in our opinion that would be a great time to to test out uh, some of what we're proposing in terms of just flexibility to opening hours and allowing some some events go a little bit later there's a, a Sinn Féin counselor there I forget her name but she 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 suggested that that would mean you know bringing in some kind of bylaw or whatever but this is the kind of you know we've had people tell us for many years ah that won't work it, it, listen it will work it's going to work you know I, I don't even entertain that kind of that that, that kind of comment anymore will work we know it works sure in the Tivoli last week we went till quarter past four you know that was like it was a beautiful night you know what I mean and and it was I, I know the night that was in us people were sad and uh, the place was closing down but there was there were absolutely no problems whatsoever we, we already know it works we already know parts of Dublin for instance go a little bit later obviously there's there's discussions to be had around policing and um, also with local residents as well you can't expect that a venue that's been going till 3am and does admit some some you know loud sound levels as well that they're all of a sudden going to be granted uh 4, 4 a.m or 5 a.m um closing but certainly i think you know experimentation is, is is key to this uh because and i think there should be some sort of the kind of kind of idea we'd be floating to the council and to the governments would be to come up with some kind of like three to five year plan here don't just parachute in a 24 hour culture overnight that's not going to work but let's just try some stuff out see what's possible and 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 then see where, where we're at because i think after the next general election as well i think the i think the profile of, of politician age profile is going to be a lot younger again and then that's something for the next generation of politicians to get their teeth into too so i think it's it's Baby steps to some degree, but but just that we are making some steps. But I think I think there's some interesting. I think if if one place, not even just with a nightmare or or or, or permanent uh, opening hours uh, happen, I, I think it's more to like try things out in one area, like for instance in Galway or maybe uh, in Waterford, wherever Cork. Um, it's just, it's just try it out and see did, did that work and and, and 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 then try it somewhere else you know I, I think it's we all know it's going to work so much of the uh, conversation and um, uh, angles around the idea of opening up uh, licensing laws and the Give Us a Night campaign is around the nightlife economy itself and yeah. recognising the cultural value of that mm. um, and do you see that changing in terms of you're talking to the powers of B um, in the last since you last did the campaign uh, it does feel like there's more conversation certainly about the idea and, and something that's in the mandate about a nightmare mm. or somebody to look after um, the ideas and uh, represent that part of nighttime culture it is recognizing that the nighttime economy brings uh, value yeah. both culturally and financially and uh, in a society way to everybody who participates in it and its city itself mm. so have you seen that uh, change in the last 10 years do you think 
Um, it's, it's more so in the last few years, I think, where the conversation has become more of an international conversation. And then it's it, it's kind of it, it's become a conversation and a topic here, too, not least because of what's happened in Amsterdam and London. And obviously Berlin has, has always been quite good as well. I think it's estimating its value. That's sort of the problem right now. We haven't had a any kind of recently commissioned reports that that, that says this is what the nighttime economy is worth to, to Ireland and even or to, to any given city i think that's one of one of the more immediate problems with this is we, we need we need something like that uh organizations like dublin town are doing a lot of work at the moment um there was a a, a process that started about this time last year uh, run by a, an organization called rhi um and that's bringing a lot of stakeholders together um it's getting the you know this conversation has been ongoing with with, with, a, with a lot of people involved in dublin city now um, and there was a very positive meeting last week um in which uh, a local senior guards got up and actually told the room um he, he he told people in the room not us about staggered closing and the model in london and he also went on to speak about lisbon as well and a three-tiered system over there so certainly the the idea of somebody looking after all of this and overseeing nightlife yes it's it's definitely being talked about and people understand the need for us i suppose it's how that comes about and who who maybe pays for it, um, where they're operating. Are they operating within Dublin City Council? Are they operating alongside the, the Lord Mayor? Are they even independent to that and they just liaise with the Dublin City Council? Like there's, it could take a number of different uh, routes. So, you know, how it could work in somewhere like Cork, for instance, and, you know, I'm just put floating this out there because his name was put forward, but someone like Stevie G, for instance, like down there, he seems to be like a, an, an obvious candidate to somebody that could do that job. And you understands the city very well. Stevie G does indeed have a lot of ideas around nightlife and experience in Cork, having been a DJ and producer, venue operator and party goer and party starter over the years. And he dropped in and gave his views on nightlife in Ireland. Stevie, in the context of uh, how things are uh, progressing with the Give Us the Night campaign and the um, um, city-wide meetings that happened, uh, I'm interested in your perspective as somebody who um, lives and operates and works in music in Cork. How are things going there and what are the challenges that are kind of happening there in terms of nightlife at the moment? Overall, I'm quite confident about Cork, but venue-wise and the nightlife thing, like lots of the people who argue about these things online all the time, and academics and stuff, they don't seem to say pay the same attention to late night culture. And lots of people don't really like, you know, it doesn't even figure, especially when it comes to the political side of things. Uh, no, it obviously has changed as as Sunil will say with the Give Me the Night, there's a group of councillors and politicians who've grown up with like music culture festivals and stuff. They don't look at it's not like the, the Thatcher argument about dance music or the whole 90s spiral tribe thing, whereas dance music was seen as this kind of like like real left kind of like, um, I don't know, it was just seen as like football hooligans. So the, 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 the music culture itself is in the mainstream now. But I do think with nightlife, like, I mean, obviously we're probably talking to the converted here, but I mean, we have very archaic licensing laws and it's different in various cities. And Cork isn't the worst 
but it's certainly I can certainly play a little bit longer up here and when I go abroad obviously it's I mean that's the way it should be and it, I look at it more uh, from an embarrassing point of view not only running nights and venues but I'm very embarrassed when someone comes up to me at two o'clock if I have to finish and they're like just looking at me kind of going like what you mean like they, they just feel that has a bomb gone off or something because you're just getting started especially Cork is very much a European city half of our population have come from or they're working in all of uh, the apples and dells of the world and we were proud of the fact that we've got a brilliant young European population and if we're that out of line with what's happening in mainland Europe especially with late night culture it kind of really annoys me and I'm very strong on the thing that I think it encourages a lot of the the things this whole it encourages a lot of negative stuff for example binge drinking I think it definitely encourages the way we've got licensing laws everyone's always looking at their watch going like geez I gotta get a shot before the bar closes or we gotta get there before the off license close or we gotta get there before the club people are just drinking too fast and uh it and obviously if you want to mention drugs and all that, I'm sure it's, it's the same thing. Whereas if you look at, say, the festival vibe where people have all day, you know, and people just, in general, like, you've got a nanny state kind of vibe, but, like, people, when they're trusted, are a bit more relaxed on things, you know. If you look at a festival where people drink slower, they might just do everything a bit slower and they plan it out a bit more. But this whole few-hour thing in Ireland which is everyone will tell you from taxis to guards to like fast food places everything is just crazy for a couple of hours on a saturday night and it's it's just not good like it's definitely not having hospitals and all this as well like and, and we know what pressure the health service is under so i just think we got to make things a bit more uh realistic and leave things flow a bit better you know uh, one of the things also we've been discussing as part of this uh is that you know the idea of a nightmare is there to bridge the gap between the councillors who maybe don't go out as much and the uh, promoters and also the community though as well because mm. you know there's the idea that if you are going to allow clubs to go later or spaces to go later not necessarily just clubs sure then you have to engage with the community and that's part of that process. So like, obviously when you talk about opening a, a venue till 6am, it'll only happen if it's in a place where it doesn't affect residents, where they're happy. Any residents that are nearby are happy with that. Anything uh, like those are my major factors. So what we're seeing now is the, the idea that if we could, the city center has lots of spaces, right? But it still has lots of spaces, but there's no, it's going to be very hard to build the space in, in the city center for to match that. So we're looking at the likes of Body Tonic and Swords, which is a little, maybe a little bit far out in terms of going out every night. But, um, you know, it's that kind of idea of a, it, it's in an industrial estate. It's not near residence. It's not going to. So I could see, you know, a place like that being used as an example or a trial, you know, where yeah. you actually have this place you go right, we're going to open, that can open till six. I mean, obviously, you're opening a can of worms in terms of, like, who gets to do this? Why? Why does Dicey's or whatever, yeah. and the Harcourt Street places get to do, get to open then Coppers? Why does Coppers get to open a certain minute? I mean, we know the answers to that in, in loads of ways, really, already. But uh, it's really sure. just like, you know, you have to bring everybody together, and that's what the nightmare mm. idea is about. But, I, like, I look at it exactly of, 
first of all, the venues are going to have to most like not, not a lot of venues are going to want to take the extra costs of security and staff. And, and even I would even cut off the alcohol at a certain stage as well. You could even open the music for another hour. I, my experience in Leeds and Manchester, they used to even stop the bar at say 5am and just serve juices or whatever. And you could still, but, and it just flows because the, the certain hardcore, loads of people are going to like, pull or they're going to have kids or they're going to have work or so people are going to go anyway but the certain hardcore that want to stay for the music you can just leave an extra hour or whatever but i do think the flow is going to definitely help certain venues are going to be under and they will have to obviously whether it be with neighbors with security uh i don't know extra costs with whatever they have to look after it and i do think that idea of like for what's happening in swords uh, a good example of probably the only really successful teenage event happening in Cork at the moment happens in the suburbs out by Carahim uh, or Red FM is actually by the, there's a dog track out there. They run and parents like it because they're not bringing their kids into the city centre and that whole scary feeling and the kids get dropped out there. They have their teenage event at whatever, seven till 10. The, they get picked up. There's none of the traffic issues. There's none of this feeling of, Oh, someone's gonna, some drunk uh, like person is gonna, like, it's not a place that people will be. There's no passerby. And uh, if, if someone went there, they'd look a bit out of place if they were over whatever, 18, uh, on this night where there's nothing else happening. So I do think that that whole, like, obviously now I'm all about building up the city centers, but I can see how that thing, and I can see the vision, obviously, like Body Tonic is the perfect example of what we were talking about as well as that, like these guys would have started like just being DJs running a few nights and they are now very much in the mainstream. Like if you look at all their bars, they're all, there's sports bars, there's different restaurants, there's all sorts of, so it's not just like a dance music thing. And they've had the vision a long time ago to just uh, develop um, on multi, on multi levels, but it's great what they've done. Um, that that they are being taken seriously, we'll say no, and it's it's good that um that they're taking over um what's it called the right venue, isn't it? Uh, right venue. Yeah, yeah I can see it kind of like that being quite successful, but they're they also know that it's not just a matter of sticking on a DJ on a Saturday night. They're yeah. gonna because in a venue now you just have to turn it all the time. But it goes back to one of the biggest problems with venues and running them. I know to my own cost and everyone will say that whole licensing um, exemption thing is just ridiculous. And that's something that if, if Give Us Tonight even got that sorted, like, like for example, a little bar shouldn't have to pay like the same as a huge kind of, not to mention names, but we all know the big, huge, massive bars with like 50 bars. And there's no way that like the roundy or a little bar up in Dublin here who wants to put on an event, not even a bar, like as we said, um, there's no way that they should have to put paid some huge exemption it's that four hundred ten euro. Yeah, it's ridiculous. I mean, I'm, I remember we tried to run a seven night late night venue in in the Pav, and I mean that broke our balls really. Like that whole exemption thing was the main cost that really killed us. Like, yeah, well, something like that when you already have uh, a lot of. Um, you have at that every expense night. Uh, every yeah. night before you open the doors. You then yeah. you're already on the back foot in many ways. You can't that take can any pay chances. For your entertainment and sound yeah. and everything like you that. can't take any chances. You yeah. can't uh, open up things in terms of oh let's try something different mm. and then ends up affecting the music as well a little bit in oh. terms of what people play it's, and what people uh, make as yeah. well. It's crazy. That whole, that's ridiculous though. That that whole exemption thing. 
So would you open a venue yourself? I would never go near a venue again <laughs> if I had all the money in the world. And my wife would be very happy to, because <laughs> she would have a gun to my head. I'm still paying myself for my last. Uh, I'm personally good at, uh, I can run events and all that, but I'm just not really good. And uh, I know what I'm good at. And like, we had a great run, but like lots of things conspired against us timing-wise, especially when we opened in May 2008. Probably wasn't the best time, but we were already tied in then. But we'd have made a load of mistakes. Now we had um we now there's other people involved too. We we did loads of good things too. Um and I'm delighted that there's other people uh, like um just stepping in and doing other things and I'll still I'm still really involved in like loads of things, but me, no way. And I'm the worst person because I'm not really good at business and stuff. So I'm the person who shouldn't be running a venue. <laughs> and even if I had that blank check, I'd definitely blow it on something else. <laughs> Here's crystal clear again. I mean, we do we do need a, a night star in in Ireland, one hundred percent. I mean, listen, like we're the most we're celebrated for her inverted commas party style and like you know there shouldn't there should be a coach a manager which is the night's art to come in and say okay well like he you know like we make this area where we can dictate two nightclubs maybe one or two nightclubs much like the way temple bar is full of fiddly idols that's what we do do you know what i mean like um i i think you know to just bring it back um you know give us the night i think is is definitely something that's extremely positive and i'd get behind it to the bitter end the cynic in me would feel that if the late license is brought in say for example venues can apply for 20 like in manchester you can apply for a 24-hour license it costs maybe 100 quid or something on the day it's like giving it's again like to use a football analogy it's honestly like giving a, a, a person with no legs of football like we don't have the venues we don't have spaces it's what use is it you know what i mean like i don't know where like it's a step in the right direction but the bigger problem is the venues the problem before the late license was the venues the venues are were shutting left right and center and it all comes down to like why are they shutting down are they shutting down from poor management landlords hype hiking rents like you know drink prices kids not buying drinks they're pre-drinking going in like all these kind of things it's like the basics i think of club culture in ireland just aren't right and i understand it's been a moving pitch because of a million things social media changed the ball game the youth changed the ball game all of the above and i mean let's call it what it is i mean drugs as well plays a huge part in nightlife it's just the harsh reality of it and whatever's in trend will dictate what things get booked like it really is unfortunately not true but i think that when it comes down to it if 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 the if the core idea of a really good nightclub was put in place i just feel like i'm gonna sound like a prick here but it just needs to be sophisticated a little bit more You know what I mean? Like, do you think that there's like to me, District Eight seemed like a very profitable place. So yeah. 
I would have thought so. So in that context, why then is no one looking? Unless at when I'm playing and they lose a bomb. <laughs> <laughs> well, why is no one looking at? Uh, in that case, is like, is it because no one has, has opened or looked at opening a club? Is it because there's so many restrictive licenses on that? Uh, the SEO license, which is the exemption orders, it's are up, four it's, to ten it, a night. Yeah. Before you even open the doors, so your costs are much more, much bigger to open late than most other. Uh, kind of uh it's a pain in the arse yeah like i mean i i looked into it me and two other lads we looked into it and it was like because at one stage there was a point where i was like you know what like i'm gonna try and put something back or whatever and like look into you know building a robert johnson in theory you know 400 capacity to 600 capacity with all the trimmings perfect not about any nonsense no fucking gas machines just pure good sound nice design and yeah before you even like consider it the amount of crap and red tape you have to go through i mean like you ideally you just think get a venue fit it with kit get a license done no it's not even close to that like there's about 60 other steps and they're not small ones so it's just really difficult because when you you know again harsh reality but this is an industry and for a lot of people it is about making money and if it's not about making money it's at least making enough money to just like satisfy everybody who's involved because mm-hmm. there is a lot of work and you got to command all the promoters and you got to command all the the guys that work at the bars and work behind the scenes because it's a lot i mean i've the easiest job in the fucking place i just walk in and i play tunes do you know what i mean and mm-hmm. that's a joke as it is like they're the real grafters in this and i understand that money needs to be made so when you put all of this in front of people who are like, whoa, this is a lot of work and the payoff is really not not that great, it's it's tough. This is, again, why I'm maybe saying my original answer to your question is that I'm not that hopeful because I understand the hurdles that are involved for an independent two or three or four people to come together. Now, having said that, and you can correct me if I'm wrong because you would have been living here, District 8 came out of nowhere. Yeah, yeah, right. Yeah, yeah. And well, it, I mean, it was Tivoli was there, but it wasn't. Tivoli was there. Yeah. used as it wasn't the used same the way, way. No, and it came out because there was a an alliance amongst a group of. I remember at the time it was all these promoters are coming together. They're creating a, a union and they're doing it. Yeah, that might be the only solution to the problem we have. Like another situation where four or five like minded pr- uh, 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 promoters come together and they pull their 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 money together and they have the background and the know how to get the the, to, to, to be patient through the red tape and maybe find another sitting duck you know there's definitely there has to be maybe something out there a warehouse somewhere that can be converted but it's just as we said in brief when I came in here the other day you know you're just you're up against so many tides like I I don't smoke weed and I'm generally not a conspiracy theorist, but like you are dealing with guys that have fat pockets that will get told that a guy with a club wants to move in and their property development 500 feet away is way too important for this to be jeopardized and they'll end up paying back, paying off a government official and then that's red, red, red line straight through it. Not happening. Yeah. This shit is real. Like,
the fact that this is starting to gather momentum and I suppose the, the amount of social change that's been enacted in Ireland in the last couple of years uh, between repeal the eighth, between um, same-sex marriage um, and you know, I'm not going to I'm not going to pretend that adding a couple of extra hours onto your night out is as important as fundamental human rights. It's important, but people can see now that if they actually make a bit of noise about something, then it can actually have an effect. And so I I, I could really legitimately see it changing in the next two years. Here's Sunil Sharp once more. You generally, and everyone involved in the Give Us a Night campaign that I talk to, are very positive about where it's going. Yeah, I think it's, listen, change is inevitable. It's going to change. It's really about how 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 much changes and and when that will be. I, I, I'm not sure what will happen this side of the general election, but I think the, the pressure that we can put on in, 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 in the run-up to the local elections will put us in a very good place in the run-up to the general election. I think it's interesting even, like, uh, you know, you're talking about, you know, younger uh, politicians being, uh, you know, coming up, um, like Artishuk himself, uh, Leo Varadkar, whatever you think of him, it wasn't was a person who went clubbing. He yeah. went to like mother a lot. Yeah. So you know he's not. He could be talked to in on those terms because it's he has an understanding think, where yeah. a lot of the people in power before would even would even know what you're talking. No, about. No, they'd laugh about it. You know, I think I think uh, I think you could have a good uh, serious discussion with with, with Leo about it. Um, whether we uh, we'll be speaking to somebody quite close to him uh, very soon, actually. So we'll I guess we'll get back some of the, the the feelings there but but yeah i think i think having a, like you said whatever you think of of leo varadkar um he, he's 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 a younger politician and he he understands these things he's experienced them for anyone listening to this what would be the best way of of approaching and supporting um the give us a night campaign and the mandate in well, terms well of the, the immediate one will be to will be to speak to your local election your count count people who are running to 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 to, to be elected to your local city council in the, or uh, in the next that's may 24th is when the local elections are so if we can put on that kind of pressure on, on a local level um, and there's not, and the other thing about it as well, and it came up at the meeting last year. There's not that much in terms of votes that get some of these people in, you know. So, so I think it's expressing to councillors, like so far of the people that we've met, the the, the young younger politicians obviously understand this, uh, but some of the older ones do too. So it's just about. Um, applying that pressure and, uh, and 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 engaging the candidates in the run up to it then the next step really will be the will be the general election as well so we really need to aim this at, at politicians and luckily now they all know about this you know some of them read uh, might have read that Irish Times piece um uh, a, f- a few a few weeks ago which wasn't which wasn't entirely helpful uh, some of it but it did, it did get the issue out there as well but the but certainly yes yeah, spe- speaking to politicians it, it's always the you know the first stop is to is to get to the, the the people with power to 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 be talking about and to know about us but certainly from from our perspective there's lots of people that we're speaking to now on, on, on Dublin City Council and people that would have a say in this so I think just that the more people that are talking about it tell any, anyone about it also this affects more than just music venues you know
That's it from this Nile or Nine special podcast about the Irish nightlife scene and the issues facing it. If you want to know more about Give Us the Night, you can check out giveusthenight.com and I do encourage you to support it because I think it has a lot of good things going on and the mandate you can check out on their website, giveusthenight.com as well. Thank you to Crystal Clear, Ethan Akana, Stevie G, Marcus O'Leary and Sunil Sharp for their time and effort. And uh, if you liked what you heard there, I'll put the track listing on 909.com for the songs. I think they were pretty much all Irish songs. Do uh, check back for our regular uh, podcast next week and uh, in our feed as well. Myself and Andrea talking about new music mostly. And if you like what you heard even more, you can subscribe to the Patreon where you will get exclusive updates and playlists and uh, DJ mixes and much, much more, including an exclusive radio show podcast as well so until next time thank you very much Planning for your next trip? Elevate your travel style with Quince. Quince has all the jet-setting essentials you'll want for your next getaway, like European linen, premium luggage options, buttery soft Italian leather bags, and so much more. And is all priced at 50 to 80% less than similar brands. Plus, Quince only works with factories that use safe and ethical manufacturing practices. Pack your bags with high-quality essentials you'll be wearing for vacations to come with Quince. Go to quince.com slash pack for free shipping and 365-day returns. Even when we're on a budget, we still deserve nice things. 
Quince is a place to scoop up stunning high-end goods for 50% to 80% less than similar brands. They have buttery soft cashmere sweater starting at $50, luxurious Italian leather bags, and so much more. Plus, Quince only works with factories that use safe, ethical, and responsible manufacturing. Get the high-end goods you'll love without the high price tag with Quince. Go to quince.com style for free shipping and 365-day returns.